Fox Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Chair Shots, check Hello to all my people, and if you're watching live, checking us out on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Bots and Share Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, but if not, we'll sprinkle in some live reactions, or you know, mean tweets, so we still get over. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray and everything the yellow shoe guy says are in direct relation to his views and his views alone. They are not the direct views of Botch Bots and Chair Shots or the Smack Raw Podcast Network. That is your disclaimer. Is this a rated Y episode? This is a rated Y for everyone episode. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we bring to you the absolute first time in Botch Bots history. We're doing a live reaction video to what we just saw, and that was AEW Double or Nothing. Bobby Mack. You ready to roll? I'm ready. Okay, let's just start big picture right now. What was your first reaction overall of the entire thing as we just finish? Overall, this was one of the longest pay-per-views I've watched in a long time. Um, it reminded me of that WrestleMania with Charlotte and uh, Sasha, or uh, um, Rhonda and Becky all being out there. Like It just seemed like it was never going to end. I know it's past midnight on the east coast lucky enough we're central time so we still have you know 40 minutes to play with this stuff but yeah long pay-per-view but i think really all in all storytelling wise it did a really good job of progressing stories as well as um telling a good story a couple questionable bookings but besides that i enjoyed it all right my plan is we're just going to hit each match uh rapid fire we're not going to spend too terribly long unless something strikes you or i won i've got a couple notes written for each one uh did you watch the pre-show yeah i saw the hookhausen um mm -hmm. thing i i didn't know the two guys they were going against the guy in the bodysuit i had no idea who he was um and then um obviously Danhausen, great comedy character i i think he's really great on that social media you know where you can buy stuff from him and like he talks to you and he curses you and all that kind of stuff hook i don't know if he's in the right you know funny to me always doesn't equal money we've talked about this before um i do think that this kind of gives a little bit more to the hook character being part of this tag team um curious where it's gonna go but i don't think hook needs to be attached to Danhausen for long Okay, uh, I think the Hookhausen thing is 100% for views. I think that it's just a so social media darling doing their thing. Uh, moving along to the made card, uh, Wordlow MGAF. Uh, my notes say match of a thousand power bombs. MJF sold well. Wardlow is a star. MJF is a star. TK is making money no matter what. Um, was everything a work? Uh, I'm still curious what's going on behind the scenes. Um, I've been reading a lot about how much tampering actually happens in professional wrestling. So I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. Bobby, what are your initials impressions of Wardlow going over MJF? I think it needed to happen. Um, I don't know if it needed to happen the way it did. I think that whatever's going on behind the scenes, whether it's a work or a shoot, um, it definitely played into this and whatever they're doing again, if it's work, then cool if it's a shoot then i don't know what you know obviously if it's a shoot they did this angle so 
MJF can go off TV for a while and then come back after, you know, everything's calmed down. Um, so is he going to go to WWE next week or a month from now? No, his contract's not over till 2024. So all the fanboys, all the fangirls, calm down. He's not going anywhere. And Tony Khan's not going to let him go anywhere because you don't let the hottest prospect in professional wrestling jump to another company just because he's not happy. You let him sit out his contract and cool down before you let him go. Um, so I think that I didn't like this match. I didn't like the story. It was, I didn't like the story it told. So whether it's a work or a shoot, I think they've got a lot of rebuilding for both of these two once they come back to TV. I disagree about that. I think Wardlow's a star. I think that him getting his all elite contract and not working directly for MJF anymore is going to be huge. Um, I, they said, Allison says they sold meet and greet passes for him. I don't think it was a work. So they sold the passes and then wasn't able to follow through with him. Um, he wants more money without extending his contract. TK wants to give him more money, but only if he will extend. So uh, apparently it's all contract disputes and stuff for this last little bit. Um, the joy of being 1099 contract work is that at any point, the company could decide you're not worth the money they're going to have to pay week to week for you, or they can let you walk and have to pay you for 90 days to keep you off TV somewhere else. Well, I think um, one, thing, one thing to look at is the fact when MJF signed, he was a big indie star. And then since then, they've brought in Jericho, they've brought in CM Punk, they've brought in Cole, they've brought in all these other big WWE stars, almost like a WCW type of thing. And MJF didn't have the contract that National Hall had that they had to match his salary. So he's feeling like he's getting pooped on at this point. I think the same thing that um, Cody Rhodes felt, and I think that's why Cody left uh, AEW, and I feel like maybe that's where the Bucks might go. And I think that Omega might be soon to follow as well. These AEW originals are starting to realize their value to Tony Khan is not what it was when AEW started three years ago. Actually, um, give me one second while I pull this up. I have notes written down for this. Um, I know their contracts, actually. I was doing this whole thing. I have this. Do my counterpoint? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Bobby, this is why we're such a good team. Look, you are a master debater. You are a master debater. Look, look, read my notes. You ready? It says... I take my glasses off. It says Wyatt. Okay, it's because I was writing about Bray Wyatt, all right? Um, Top five salaries in AEW, okay? John... Okay, the top five salaries. John Moxley. Six million dollars. Who do you think is number five? Number five, I would say, is Jericho. Um, actually, number five is, or was, when I had this information. Granted, this is contracts for the end of 2021, not up-to-date contracts for 2022. This is what was reported, okay? Uh, highest paid is Moxley. Number five on that list was Brandy Rhodes at $2 million a year. What? Okay, and then there were three guys who had $3 million contracts, meaning $3 million a year. Okay, they're no, 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 no. They're up there, but uh, Omega, Cody Rhodes, and Chris Jericho were all three million dollar a year contracts. Okay, so looking at that, uh, the whole point of the matter is uh, MJF right now. If you look at it the way you look at college football or like 
Hold on, maybe NBA NBA players in their rookie contracts. I'm getting my notes back over. To- football, you might become a Florida State, which I take offense to that, but yeah, I agree. We we do pay. Well, the the fact of the matter is, MJF is in his rookie contract. This was his first big boy contract coming out of the Indies. So when you look at what he's getting paid, he's getting paid rookie numbers. This far it only makes 150k, which is less than the talent in NXT. Um, so apparently he's making like low end money compared to some of his counterparts that are on TV less making more money. So this right. is all about cash. He knows he's worth more than what he's making and he's not going to make much for the next 18 months. If he stays under his current gig, TK will pay him, but only if he agrees to extend MJF is saying, nah, bro, I'm good. So that's where it goes. I don't want to go too, too deep into this because, uh, this was like a 12-hour long pay-per-view. We got a lot of matches to cover. Right. Uh, next one on my list, Hardy Boys, Young Bucks. Uh, my notes say it was a bookend match. It started strong, slow middle, finished strong. The Jacksons were good. Not a typical Young Bucks match. Hardy's win, an exciting push. Uh, they went home strong, kind of a meeting of generations. Overall, it was a good match. It wasn't your typical uh, Young Bucks hitting the ropes, going 1,000 miles, high spots match. They didn't bury the ref. There was good stuff going down. Bobby, what do you think? Yeah, I was surprised by the match. Um, I was really surprised by the Bucks giving back so much. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't be because these two did meet a couple years ago on the indie circuit, and they put on a pretty good match as well. And the Bucks did put over the Hardys. And I say the Bucks put over the Hardys because, you know, really the Bucks are in charge. And they did it again. I, I predicted tonight that the Bucks were going to take that victory back, but I'm really shocked, surprised, and happy that the Bucks let the Hardys do this again. Um, it gave a good shine to the Hardys. I'm going to be curious where the Hardys go from here and where the Bucks go from here because, you know, FTR is out there as the best tag team in professional wrestling, not AEW, not WWE, but professional wrestling. So is it the Hardys that finally get to go against the FTR or is it the Bucks that get in that rematch? Because if you remember, when FTR came in, the Bucks beat them and beat them clean. Fair enough. Uh, Anna Jay, Jade Cargill. Uh, Anna Jay looks good, but Jade is worth a million dollars. 31 and 0, Jade Cargill. A huge win. Jay looked good without hurting Cargill. Uh, Malcolm Bivens comes in and joins up with Jade Cargill. Athena comes out after the match, setting up for a big trios match between uh, uh, Anna Jay, Athena, and uh, Chris Statlander versus Jade Cargill. Red Velvet, and uh, the other one of Cargill's baddies. I uh, apologize for not knowing her name. Um, overall, good women's match. Uh, what do you think about Jade Cargill, 31-0, representing the TBS title? No, I think Cargill's good. I think she's a great talent. Um, I didn't, honestly, I don't know the guy from NXT that was there, and I, I, I tweeted that as well. I had no idea who that dude 32 was. 32-0. Thank you, Allison. Yeah, um, and then when it comes to... Um, the former Amber Moon, whatever, what's her new name? Athena. Athena, okay. So Athena, Amber Moon, uh, Wolf Girl, I really don't have a connection with her. I I wasn't ever behind her in NXT. I wasn't behind her in WWE. Um, I just find her as a lack of character. She's okay in the ring, but so were Randy and Bill Mulkey. Look that one up. Um, <laughs> I love your knowledge. But I also love the fact that you are the perpetual old man on the lawn screaming, or old man on the porch screaming, get off my lawn. But you know what? You're my old man on the porch screaming, get off my lawn. Um, I'm okay with it so far. I like Athena coming back. She was the uh, warrior, warrior wrestling 
women's champion. Uh, that's the same indie promotion where Will Ospreay is the world champion. So I'm I'm representing it. Like I'm glad that she's getting a push into a big promotion. I think WWE misused Amber Moon. Uh, she was a former NXT women's champion. She had some luck on the main roster with some injuries. Uh, overall, I think she could be main event talent. I worry that introducing her into an already oversaturated AEW women's division can go one of two ways. She can get really good pushes coming up, or she can get lost in the mix and be relinquished to AEW dark. Yeah, like like Ruby has. Like even though Ruby was in a main event tonight, like there was who really thought Ruby was gonna win tonight? Um actually I picked Ruby to win tonight. Um I met who else thought Ruby was gonna win tonight. Whatever, Bobby. Um, next after that match, big forbidden door promo for the uh, forbidden door for the forbidden door pay per view coming up on June twenty sixth. Give me one forbidden door match that you hope happens on this pay per view. I'm hoping, honestly, old Bullet Club goes against new Bullet Club. Um, you know, I've, I've got a, I've got one or two boys in there. You know, um, and he's in Vegas uh, actually this weekend. And I would like to see that. I would like to see the old Bullet Club with Cole and the Bucks um, going against the new and current Bullet Club. Um, I don't know how much the American fans will really care about it. Um, I don't know how much I would actually care about it other than I've got personal interest in it. But I think the Japanese fan base that's going to tune into that pay-per-view or, yeah, it's pay-per-view. Yeah, it's pay-per-view. It's AEW. Pay-per-view. Go all the way. Pay-per-view. Um I think that's going to be a good match. I think that's going to be the forbidden door that a lot of people are looking for. Um, if I had one pick for the forbidden door, I would really, really like to see um, G.O.D. come over. I would like to see them do a match with FTR. Um, I think that would be gold. Maybe G.O.D. work a match with the, uh, the Lucha Brothers as well. Uh, Penta or Ray Phoenix in a singles competition. Um, I want to see Will Ospreay come over, and I want to see Will Ospreay do his stuff in an AEW ring against somebody that can work with it. Um, so maybe see him work with like a Brian Danielson. Maybe see him work with uh, CM Punk. Maybe you know what I mean. See somebody like that that's going to be able to accent what he can do and make him look good. I'm curious. No, I, to, sorry. No, I, yeah, no, I'd say, I, like, I would agree, because last time I saw G.O.D. on American soil was when he teamed up with Shawn Michaels against the McMahons, and it wasn't a good showing at that point, so I'm really <laughs> hoping, I'm really hoping that G.O.D. can come back to American soil and make up for that loss. This is why, Bobby, we have zero fans. This is <laughs> all for you. Um, so, moving along, House of Black Death Triangle. Uh, my notes say two badass entrances. Black and Ray Phoenix open. Astoria, Lucha Libre versus Striking. Brody King is a monster of a man. Don't bury the ref, boys. The Poison Rana is a devastating move by Pac. Um, Penta and Phoenix are a lot of fun to watch. The triple offense on Brody King, he throws all three men off of him. I think at that point they're starting to bury him. Uh, tons of tope suicidas for everybody. Brody King almost dies. Best trios match in AEW history. Uh, time to bring it home. Canadian Destroyer off of Phoenix by Penta. Then a botched double stomp by Phoenix. Pot goes nuts. He's a technical showcase. Julia Hart out of nowhere. She's like a random Pokemon. Squirts the black mist in his face. 
the, then the uh, the House of Black scores the win. I thought at that point this could have possibly been the match of your night. Uh, Bobby Mack, what are your thoughts? I feel like House of Black had to win this. Like, I didn't feel like there was any ifs, ands, or buts. Like, they've, they've been very 50-50 on their booking, and this is a group that should be over the edge. And when I say that, it's ironic because Edge has taken his group and pretty much mimicked this one and made it more important. So I feel like the originators of this group, this idea, needs to take that forefront and I think this is their first step on getting there and going above the edge and his whole group, the you know that that whole thing. So yeah, I, I think this had to happen. I'm glad it did. I've never been a Pac fan, um, so I think that this is the right direction. And I hope to see this go even further. And maybe if Khan is going to introduce those trios, uh, six man tag team championship belts, this is the group that could get it. Uh, you weren't an, uh, a Neville fan in NXT and WWE, Adrian Neville, the man gravity forgot. No, I forgot him. I totally forgot him completely. Like with his purple and yellow tights, I believe they were, um, that he wore, um, Neville just never did anything for me. I, when he went to that bad guy, Neville, and he pulled his hair back and he looked kind of evil, like an evil elf. Then I kind of got into him. Um, but at that point it was already like, he was already a foot out the door. Um, okay, moving right along, the Owen Hart finals were next. The Samojo versus Adam Cole, nice video package for someone like me who doesn't watch week over week, but watches the pay-per-view, so it was a good way to get caught up. Uh, I remember watching Over the Edge, so I was a big Owen Hart fan. Uh, what he means to the family, uh, means to wrestling. You and I have always talked about it. Uh, we have a very differing opinions on what the Hart family represents for wrestling, but we both agree Owen Hart was taking too early. Having Mike Kyoto come in and ref is super cool. Joe is the current reigning Ring of Honor TV champion. Um, Jim Ross is emotional on the call. You can hear it in his voice. Joe is a machine. The match displays what both men do well. There's an R, uh, a Randy Orton type power slam from Big Joe. Uh, Adam Cole gets a big win with a knee to the back of the head. Bobby Fish is involved, but not the deciding factor. Uh, Adam Cole gets the win, becoming the Owen Hart uh, Cup Memorial Foundation winner. Um, I thought overall, great match. Samojo, Adam Cole, super, super big NXT black and gold vibes there. Um, I loved everything about it. What did you think about the uh, Owen Hart finale? Yeah, I think it was good. One, the name of it, calling it the Owen Hart Foundation, like it freaks me out. Like it's like weird because it's like Owen Hart and then a Hart Foundation. Um, and, and Brett is not part of it. And I think that Brett should be part of it. Obviously, there's family feuds that are going on, so he can't be. Um, Samoa Joe taking his first, you know, real loss since he's come over. Um, I think that's a big thing. The other thing that I saw on the internet that I really didn't even like associate with was Adam Cole was a Shawn Michaels guy. Like yeah. Shawn Michaels spent so much time developing him, uh, you know, interviews and in the ring. And everybody knows the history of Shawn Michaels and Owen and Brett, obviously. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, Cole got the call for this match. And Cole needed this because Cole, again, when we talk about floundering in AEW, he's getting lost. And whether it's because Cornette is burying him with his arms being, you know, the size of toothpicks or the fact that he just doesn't look like he's as energized as what he was in NXT, you know, whichever one it is, Cole's floundering. And I think that this really should push him. Um, 
I did say on Twitter that, you know, I was like, oh, they got t-shirts for winning and then they handed out belts afterwards, uh, thankfully. Um, and, you know, two people, one cup, seen that before. Um, so I'm happy that Cole won. I don't know that if Joe, I don't know if Joe needed, yeah, cover your face. I don't know if Joe needed um, this loss at this point in time, but as long as he's still a champion with ROH, I think he'll recover. And he's one of the guys who has a reputation that can recover easily from this defeat. I completely agree. I think it was a very protected finish for a standing Ring of Honor champion. Uh, the women's final was followed next. Uh, Ruby Seho, the Britt Baker DMD. Both women show off high-power offense. Big suplexes by Soho are met with strong strikes by DMD. Lots of talk between the two women. Lots of trash talk. I felt like the cameras were right there. You could hear everything they were saying back and forth. Um there's a bot sharpshooter, but she gets to reset, kind of sets it in. I noticed that uh, when they were doing the sharpshooters, I saw two different people do it. Uh, Ruby Soho here, and then there's another one later in the match, or later in the card that I write down again, and I'll call it up and bring it up again then. And I say it later, I feel like if you have a tournament in your uh promotion that is named after somebody who used that move as a finisher then you should do it correctly and both times that it was botched tonight they did it off the wrong side and i know that's super picky but if you don't do it off the correct side then you're not going to be able to make the move look realistic and both times the bridge fell when they did it wrong and I feel like if you don't pay homage to the move, all you're doing is hurting everything that the Hearts did. And tonight, there were two specific occasions where they botched a sharpshooter, and I've got them both written down. Um, Britt Baker gets the win, though. Uh, very nice roll-up back and forth. Overall, it was a great match. Um, I'm harping hard on Ruby for the, the bot sharp, uh, botched sharpshooter, but overall, I think it was a good match. Britt Baker deserved the win. Um, I think Adam Cole or Samoa Joe could have won, and it would have been okay. Britt Baker got it. She deserved it. I kind of picked Ruby Soho because I thought this might be her push. But uh, putting the power couple together goes. Uh, what are your opinions on the women's finale? I think it makes sense putting the power couple together. Um, Ruby Soho, though, I think she needs something. Like, whether it's bringing in, like, obviously Liv Morgan is in a good spot with WWE. Um, so if it's bringing in the other member of the Riot Squad to come in and be, like, her partner, she's just missing something. Like, she's a star-quality player, but I feel like she needs somebody else to play off of. And this match, I think, I, I totally agree with you. I think if she would have won this match, that would have been her, you know, pushing point. Like, that would have been her vault to the next level. Um, Britt Baker and Cole both winning. You have two heels winning a tournament on both sides, heels, a tournament that is over a face, over a face that we all worship, that you know we all look proudly on, that we all love and cherish. So that was interesting. I, I The booking on that kind of threw me. So I'm curious to see where they go with that. Like, do those Owen Hart belts come back? Does that cup come back? Um, the cup comes back. The belts are given to the winners every year. That was announced on screen. You should pay attention more, Bobby. You're better than this. Yeah, well, I was so drawn back by Martha's wedding dress slash uh, Kentucky Derby hat that I was having a tough time paying attention. Dude, I wrote down this sentence. 
Martha Hart giving off strong game show vibes. I wrote those words down right there on my paper. It says so right there on my paper. Strong game show vibes. So, so if you had Martha Hart and Dana Warrior running up to a microphone, which one do you choose to speak? I'm going to go with Dr. Martha Hart because of who she is. I still have an endearment and love. Uh, thank you, Martha Chance, ringing throughout. Uh, we can now celebrate him in the squared circle. Uh, the people she thinks, TK, Jericho, Dark Side of the Ring, their legal teams, the kid, Oj. I mean, everybody that was involved. This is the first time we've really had a chance for Martha to speak like this. So I represent it. I still a thousand percent think that Martha Hart's doing the right thing by involving a, excuse me, AEW, um, involving everything involved with that. Um, I think she went a little bit over the edge and turned the image up 11 the edge i get that oh you see how you see what i did there that's what we call edgy journalism that one that's for you guys i say usually usually that's my thing i know right i'm just pushing all the buttons tonight when the boss sees that one it's gonna be a conversation I said the belt presentation was great. Both belts look vintage, old school, uh, super big, mid-America, North American title faces. Uh, the Owen Cup looks great, both in, uh, both engraved. It's going to be an awesome. I'm an Owen Hart fan, so I was a big, big guy for this part of it. I loved everything about it. Um, I, I kid lightly about Martha looking like a game show host, but I think it was a great segment. I think it went over well. Um what do you think about that segment? I just wonder where it's going to be in five years. Because, you know, you had the Jim Crockett's Senior Memorial Cup Tag Team Tournament in 1986. You had it in 1987. 88, it was still there, but not very much. Every now and then you'll see it pop up like 30, 40 years later. Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. First two years, important. Next three or four, nothing. Um, the May Young battle royal never really took off so i'm curious to see where this actually goes um with the future of this how long and how interested are the fans going to be in these um and again i think to get more interest you've got to involve the Hart family you've got to involve you know maybe owen's kids maybe his brothers um to get to get that total buy-in and um i really do feel like that i kind of felt like she exposed owen for everything that she was fighting wwe not to expose of owen with a lesser company that if she and all right so this is again i know you don't let me get controversial controversial this is the 30 second thing if she really wanted to put a focus on the owen hart foundation she would have gone to the number one company in the world that could have generated the most money for that foundation through merchandising and their um, their ties with everything else. And I really feel like if she really wanted to make the most money for that foundation, she would have gone WWE. But the avenue she chose, I'm fine with. She's got some good people there. She's got Mark Henry there, who's a big supporter of her. Um, they called her out in the Hall of Fame. Um, so... I'm happy for her. I'm happy for her family. If this is the decision that she wants to make, very cool. 
I just feel like if she really wanted to make more money for the foundation, she would have gone the other way. Um, let me ask you a question now. Okay. okay. You ready? This one's for you, sir. Are you ready? I'm always, Bobby, you have no idea. I am born <laughs> ready. Uh, do you think making the power couple, um, the Owen Hart cup winners, DMD and Adam Cole, is this a marketing tool because they're more marketable than Samoa Joe and Ruby Soho side by side? I think if they turn this into an Owen Hart style marketing campaign, it'll be good. Slammy awards. That's exactly what I'm seeing. Is these two coming out going, woo, like we're the number one, we're the winners. Like that to me puts them over the top as heels. It puts them over the top as characters. It gives Cole what he's been missing. It gives Britt what she's been lacking lately. And I think that's the way you go. If they do anything less than that slammy Owen Hart, then I think they've lost an opportunity. Moving right along in the card, we got Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and Paige Van Zandt making her long-awaited in-ring, on-camera debut. I know she's your favorite, Bobby. Um, we, I'm sure you'll have plenty to say about her. They will be facing off against Sammy Guevara, Ty Conte, and Frankie Kazarian. Ethan Page had a match against himself. It's hard to take anything a man does seriously after that. Sammy is super athletic. Kazarian needs to be featured more. Too big of a roster, too little TV time. Uh, beef between Sammy and Kazarian. Van Zant showed some promise. Obvious striker. Build solid, but she has a little solid entering work. She was able to land a DDT on Sammy. Uh, Conte's a judo black belt, apparently. I didn't realize that. I don't know if that's factual or not. Uh, looking back at it, both women did a great job. Uh, could be the best work in the match because some of the other work got kind of sloppy. They could have been featured more. I think PDA is gross. If you know anything about me, uh, you, which you won't because I intentionally leave as much of my personal life out of this as possible. Uh, PDA is gross. I don't like PDA, man. I just can't do it. I don't see the point in making out with your partner in public. The big red couch. I just don't. What? The one in your office? No, the one in your office wasn't red. Huh? The one in your office. What color is the couch in your office? It was red. Was it red? Yeah. We should do an episode specifically about the red couch. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. You want to do an where we just trade stories about the... Uh, that one would be a great one for the secret stash. Um, okay, Kazarian comes uh, up. He's like... I don't know what to do. Frankie looks at him. He's like, fuck this. I'm bounce. Uh, I don't really blame him. I get it. A few seconds later, he's like, I'm just kidding. Here I come. And he jumps back in the ring and he starts a big comeback. Sammy takes out Conte by accident. Leads to the finish. Scorpio Sky looks good. No TNT title shot for Kazarian or Sammy G. Uh, good match, not great. Kind of messy. I'm not a big fan of these big multi-man matches. And go Bobby. Multi-person. Whatever you know what I mean, multi-person. I'm not a big fan of multi-matches if they're like four and a half hour long pay-per-views. What did you think about this one? Um, one, Conti took a really impressive face. Uh, when that boot hit her face, she I didn't I looked at her, like I looked at the replays, she, her eyes never looked up at Sammy's boot. Like that was very impressive and that bump was very impressive. If you are an insider of professional wrestling, which I'm not, I would definitely tell you though. That was impressive. Like what she did, where the where she took that was really good. Um, something I would recommend for Paige Van Zandt: be more natural. You're a freaking kick-ass fighter. Nobody is a kick-ass fighter lifts their arms up and back. Like 
you're in high school or middle school, like the way she kept doing that, it was getting like she wanted crowd reaction. Mm-hmm. And I think if she would have been more aggressive, she would have better crowd reaction. Bobby. Yes. Show me your left arm. Charlie Chaplin. What's your favorite Charlie Chaplin movie? Uh, my favorite Charlie Chaplin movie is actually The Kid. Okay. Um, where he finds a child um, through adoption and he's able to lead him through and help him through orphanages and things like that. Okay. Okay. Goldbrush. Okay. Anyway. Um, so, um, Paige Van Zandt. One, that. that I have was... a taco on my wrist. What's your favorite taco? What's her name? so so with with Pedro and Sant doing that again it's unnatural I think that if she would have gone more aggressive that the crowd would have got her um you know you see that from a lot of the younger guys too like when they're like stomping on the mat and they're trying to get that crowd reaction it's different than when Ricky Morton's in a front face lock and he's like doing his hand like this because he's not he's not demanding the crowd reaction but it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Her doing that, again, just rookie mistake, not a big deal. The other thing is she did the typical sports star, um, athlete, actor clothesline, where when you do a clothesline, instead of having your shoulder forward, she had it backwards to not hurt the person. And you could see that. Like every time she did a clothesline, her shoulder was back instead of forward, so there's no power there. And again, this is a powerful woman. This is a true sports fighter like this is a woman that could kick your ass and i paid 50 bucks to have her do it so i think that that's that was the two things that really stuck out to me but her facials were good her in ring i thought was really good other than those two small critiques i think her and conti were really the stars of this match and those were the two that i was most interested in not because of their looks not because of anything else you know like that they really did do a great job with this match. And um, Sammy, Sammy's, Sammy's come a long way. Like I was talking about somebody, you know, talking with somebody tonight about him and his panda hoodie. And a lot of people forget about Sammy come out in that panda hoodie. But from where Sammy started three years ago, we were making fun of him wearing a panda hoodie with like the glove thing, like that most like high school and, you know, girls were wearing to where he is now. Sammy is going to be a world champion, whether it's in AEW or it's in WWE or any other promotion that he goes to, he's continuing to grow. Um, the rest of the people in this story don't know where they're going, don't know what they're doing, um, have no idea what that TNT title that once was the borderline top title has now fallen way below that. And, you know, hopefully Scorpion Sky can make it grow again is semi g losing momentum do you think he was on top as a star but is now in this in between uh pda love thing with ty conte he now he loses all momentum because he can't fight for the tnt title uh do you feel like he's kind of dropping out of that semi-main event uh that semi-main event role that he was in before um yes and no i think he's morphing I think he's morphing to the next level and whether he morphs like Cody Rhodes morph, you know, when Cody got, you know, he couldn't fight for the world championship anymore. So he had to go for the TNT title. You know what? Sammy can't go for the TNT title anymore. So what are the belts left? 
maybe he goes for that world championship. And, you know, as a heel and you've got a female manager, that's different than being a face with a female manager. So right. him and, and Ty Conte is at least, you know, like where you compare, like let's compare them to Savage and Elizabeth. Savage as a heel with Elizabeth as a face didn't work very well. But now you've got two heels and Conte can defend herself. So this could be Sherry and Savage versus CM Punk, spoiler alert, um, for the championship. Well, uh, the next match on the card was Darby Allen versus Kyle O'Reilly. Um, I think Kyle O'Reilly is fun. He's always good to watch. Um, how does Darby have juice in 30 seconds? And then I watch about 30 more seconds in the match, and then I realize Kyle O'Reilly is throwing straight potatoes. He's just wailing the shit out of Darby. I keep watching. Darby and Code Red reminds me of Raven if Raven was still relevant in 2022. Flipping over the top stunner by Allen was a lot of fun. Tope Suicida, uh, Tope Suicida by Allen almost killed both of them. Uh, what do you think about the unnecessary dive with his leg catching the ropes and sending him spiraling out of the way? Uh, we saw a million Tope Suicidas. We know there's a spot for him in the story. I'm not saying that we don't need them. But do you think every match needed one? When Ric Flair called Mick Foley a stuntman, a glorified yeah. stuntman, that's what I feel about Darby Allen. Until Darby gets somebody to smack him across the face and say, slow down, kid, he's he's not gonna be he's not gonna be around in 10 years. He's not. Sting, all respect to Sting, I don't know if Sting is that veteran that can slow him down. Sting was never a leader in the ring. He was always the follower, you know, whether it be Flair, Hogan, Luger, whatever. I don't know if Sting is that right role model. Um, obviously, Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy's not going to be that right role model. Maybe Matt more than Jeff. But Darby has got to find somebody, maybe Daniel Bryanson, maybe CM Punk, can convince him, kid, you got the tools. Slow down. Don't do these things unnecessarily. And if Darby does that, he's going to be a great cruiserweight, great team key champion. But if not, in five years, seven years, Darby Allen's going to be a distant memory. Another botched sharpshooter by Allen. I'm sorry. If you have an attorney named after a man who used the move, do it correctly. Coffin drop to the outside was intense. Allen has no regard for his own safety. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly countered a coffin drop into an armbar. Kyle O'Reilly is leaving it all out there. Both men showed out. Allen is no selling. Uh, when Allen started no selling the PKs at the end, it seemed a bit much, but kind of made sense in the finish. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly gets the win. Bobby, give me your final thoughts on that match in the 15 seconds or less. For everything they did in that match, it's forgettable. And I've already forgotten about it. I've, thought more about the other matches on this card than what those two did and that is a spot fest that told a little bit of a story but not the story that would catch me and want me to watch them part two uh, Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb, the AEW women's title. Rosa looking a lot like Rey Mysterio. This could be the most technical match of the night. Deeb and, Risa, uh, Deeb and Rosa both held the Burke, representing the most prestigious women's title in the business. 
they were the they were two really recent champions, both coming over from NWA into AEW. I think the flying octopus hold in the match was an homage to a uh, to the dungeon. That was another Stu Hart move. You saw a lot of those homages through the night to the Hart family, which I give applause to. And a lot of the younger wrestling fans aren't going to recognize that because those aren't the moves that get over. Uh, but it was nice for me to see good technical wrestling tonight. Uh, Rosa hits a Death Valley driver, but only gets two. Figure four spot was a lot of fun where they went rolling in and out of the ring and then took the big spill. Texas Cloverleaf, figure four, Boston Crab, submission specialist in Serena Deeb. The Fire Thunder driver for the win. Thunder Rosa goes over. So far, in my opinion... And uh, other than the main event, which we haven't got to, this was the match of the night so far by me. Bobby Mack, you got about 30 seconds and go. Same thing with this and the end of the night was this is a classic Southern wrestling match. It told a story in the ring, top to bottom. They didn't care about what the story was before the match. They didn't care about the story, what it is like later on. They care about the story, what they were doing inside the ring. They told it was just like Star Wars. You saw the beginning, it was the hero win, then the middle, the uh, it, the bad person won, and then at the end was the climax. And that's what this story told. The one thing I do critique on this thing is, I think the story would have been more powerful if um, the champion didn't wear her makeup in the interviews beforehand. If you watch the old Road Warrior stuff from the 80s and 90s, if they were serious about something, they wore sunglasses and not the makeup. Same, same thing with Sting because it told that they were really mad and they were really serious about this. That's my only critique of this match. I think this one was a 9 out of 10. I uh, completely agree, uh, 100%. Uh, next match, Jericho. I completely agree, 100%. Allison, record. Oh, she's there. She's watching. She's a, she's a moderator now in the Smacked Raw Twitch. She can, like babysit people and kick people out of the chat. She's watching everybody's lives. When we say this woman has complete control of our show and everybody else's, Allison is like the brain trust behind what we do. I didn't know that. Hi, Allison. Yeah. She's in charge. Uh, Jericho Appreciation Society, the Blackpool Combat Club, Proud and Powerful and Eddie Kingston. Jumpstart, anything goes. Pinfall in ring. Fighting through music and fan participation means one, they put... Uh, enhancement talent and predisposed spots to help with these spots ahead of time, which I think takes away from everything that professional wrestling is supposed to represent as a sport. Fighting through the music was stupid. Uh, having to restart the song because the match went long was stupid. Uh, the street sweep through the table by Santana Ortiz on Hager was baller. Uh, this is a war, not a match. The fans will love it, though. Uh, they broke the ring. The crowd is kind of chanting... Uh, but kind of what is happening. Eddie is a bloody mess. He comes out with the gas can, the whole spot. Uh, Mac Mox took a killer barbed wire bump, put him out for the rest. I popped for the chair shot and the knee. Uh, surprisingly good finish. Bobby Mack, what you got? Uh, Jericho Appreciation Society took the win, uh, by the way. Uh, but it was a good build up to the finish. I popped for the finish. I thought it was good. Uh, when they put Daniel uh, Brian Danielson out with the the ring post and the the half walls of Jericho, like it was a good finish. What'd you think? It was a spot fest. It was the wrong. It was on the wrong place in the card. Um, if you're gonna nuke Miami Beach, and then the next day you're just gonna invade Daytona, doesn't make any sense. And this was they threw everything at this match. They had all the big stars in this match. You had. 
WWE former champion Jericho, you had WWE former champion Bryanson, you had WWE former champion Moxley. You had all these up-and-comers. You had all these semi-mains. You had this storyline. You had blood. You had guts. You had table shots, rings falling apart, um, everything falling apart. It was like the entire city coming down, Independence Day, after the explosion, and then all of a sudden you're going to introduce Will Smith and the other dude for the end of the movie. Keep um, my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Exactly. That's yeah, what I'm talking about. This, this was in the wrong spot of the card. This is the match you might maybe have you maybe it has first. Maybe this should have been first. Maybe this is what MJ's MJF's whole thing was. This should have been your first match because you want to forget about this before you get to the main event. Like you should have had a couple like in betweens before you got to the main event. This match, for what it was, it told the violent story of what it needed to for this story. But where it was on this card was one hundred percent wrong. I don't care who agrees with me, who disagrees with me. This was not the place for this match. Okay, this is an unpopular wrestling opinion. You see what I did there? I've heard of that. Okay, Um, so here's the thing. I think that in the moment, okay, what they did story-wise made sense. I, however, think that if you go watch a super badass action movie like The Avengers, and you see all this... Like, blowing up and Michael Bay style, like, explosions and excitement, blah, wah, Avengers, New York, buildings, and every, like you are saying, everything's going crazy. And then the very next one is this, like, it would be like watching The Avengers, which is a great movie, and then watching, like, Shawshank Redemption, which is a fantastic film. You see what I mean? You're going to get all the explosions in this deathmatch style match and it's going to get all the cheap pops and everybody's going to be like, "Man, that was a fantastic movie." And they're not wrong. That was a great that was a great match, okay? But then when you get to the main event, the main event was like watching a film. It's not going to get the same pop because a lot of people aren't going to understand it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I get it. I get it, guys. Sometimes words are hard. I understand that. If, what do you if, think, Bobby? Yeah, if the if the end of Avengers, you know, they're all beating Thanos, mm-hmm. and they've defeated him, and you know what, Tony Stark, um, spoiler, Tony Stark dies, and Iron Man dies. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a second. I what know, do you mean Tony Stark dies? And they they go to the funeral scene, and then all of a sudden, right after the funeral scene, you see Red get a note that says, "Hey, you're getting out. Go to this." Go to this part of the country. Go to this fence and follow the note. That's what AEW did tonight. Like they they introduced you, like they put you on this huge climax. And then they asked you to go for round two before you were ready. And round two was nothing like round one. Round two was an obligation for giving back. Round Round two didn't. Round two shouldn't have been asked for the way it was. Bobby, I'm going to ask you a person's name, and I want you to tell me everything you know about this person, 
all your wrestling knowledge, everything that you know, all the ex- all your time in the indies, the time in the business, everything you know about this person. Who is Rosh El Toro Blanco? No clue. Okay, that was the dude who came into Andrade's pre-recorded scene in his office because he's not at the pay-per-view because he just became a flare. Oh, uh, is that the 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 Futu or uh, I saw a meme or something like who who the Foot are you? Yeah, I think I saw with Andrade. Yeah, something like that. But apparently he's from AAA. He's one of those guys. Uh, exactly what I thought. I didn't know who he was, and I watched AAA, so I just may be a bad wrestling reporter, which isn't the first time I've heard that today, and it probably won't be the last time I hear that today. I've watched Double A. Double A? No, yeah. Bobby, that's that's Double A Alcoholics Anonymous. That was no, because... Mark Anderson. Mark Anderson. Oh, oh, okay, sorry. I thought this had something to do with that DUI. Um... <laughs> uh, is this a shoot now? <laughs> We're gonna, we're gonna start shooting. See, here's the thing. I think this episode is gonna really prove something because if uh, people listen to this and they hear it, they're gonna be like, "Oh, it's just Will and Bobby." And then somebody else is gonna hear it and they're gonna be like, oh, "Bobby's fuck. not that much of a dick. He's just I misunderstood." Bobby's so misunderstood. Okay, uh, tag team title match: Jurassic Express, Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, swerve in our glory. Good job switching ring out. Jungle Boy is super over. Powerhouse, Powerhouse Hobbs is big. Swerve, big moonsault off Lee's chest. Uh, Keith Lee is big. Rochambeau by Stark. Starks versus Cole comparison. You know, this match should have been the slowdown match. And it wasn't gonna be. Like, you had six, you had six people in there. You had three tag teams that weren't gonna slow it down. Um... Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing that I think that could possibly slow down is the fact that you know that Jungle Boy orders virgin mojitos when he goes to a bar, and you know that um, Luchasaurus or, uh, orders strawberry daiquiris when he goes to a bar. Like, that's the only thing that slowed this whole match for me down was just my disrespect for them. Um, but the fact that this, this match was going to be six people that don't know how to slow it down, there was no veteran leader out there. Like, um, Keith Lee might have been the only one, at least he had WWE experience, but he is not a veteran leader. And they needed somebody out there to call this match, whether it would have been a more veteran referee, somebody needed to really control these guys to make them understand your place on this card is you just saw this train wreck and you're getting ready to see this Broadway play. You guys need to be the intermission. You guys need to be the violins that people are just happy to listen to and happy to see. And these guys did not do that. They went balls out, good match, not going to complain about what they did out there, other than the fact, again, they did not understand their place on this card. This is another example how if you watch the Avengers and then you, or if you watch Infinity Game, then you watch Endgame, and then you watch like. Infinity War and what did I say? What did I say? Um, Infinity Game, Infinity War. Infinity Infinity War followed by Endgame. Okay, you watch those two movies. And then you watch Citizen Kane. I, that's another one, Bobby. Stress. Uh, it's a stretch. I understand. Google it. Look it up. Something about a sled and a rose. 
Okay, just trust me. Watch it. Uh, so you get these two awesome movies, lots of cities exploding. Then you get a story that has a lot of meaning, but it doesn't have a lot of cheap pops. And people are going to go, but I don't get it. But if you watch pro wrestling, you will. Especially southern pro wrestling. Which what, Bobby, what do, you, what do you mean, what do you mean southern pro wrestling, Bobby? Do you mean wrestling that happened before 1990 and wasn't put on your main screen TV on a no, WWE? I mean, I mean southern, southern professional wrestling is based on in-ring style. If you look at southern professional wrestling, whether you want to look in the 50s, the 40s, 30s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever, compare it to New York style wrestling. New York style has always been very fast paced. It's been bigger athletes. You look at southern wrestling, southern wrestling's always told the story in the ring. New York style has always told the story outside the ring. Wait a second, Bobby. Do you oh. mean do you mean if you look at the Georgia territory versus the Connecticut territory? Much different. Oh, and that's and that's why they call it Black Friday when Vince McMahon showed up on World Championship Wrestling in Atlanta for that few months that he did because they didn't want WWF, they didn't want Northern Wrestling, they wanted Southern Wrestling because it told stories. And the South, the Southern Wrestling style goes all the way from you know Florida up to Virginia, Maryland, maybe a little bit, all the way over to Texas with WCCW back in the day, um, it's a different wrestling style. Um, you know, Japan has their style. Mexico has their style. California has their style. Um, New York has their style. Southern wrestling tells a story in the ring. And it's a story that whether, like Charlie Chaplin, you could be deaf and you could watch these matches and you'll understand what's going on. And that's the difference, I think, between Southern style wrestling and the other style wrestlings is you understand by the people's expression of their faces, what they're doing in the ring. You don't have to have the volume up like Rock versus Hogan. You can have the volume down and watch Flair versus Steamboat and understand the pain and agony that's going on in that ring. So that's what CM Punk and Adam Page, our next match, is all about. Bobby, I think you just written you just dude, you just wrote your manifesto. That right there was the Bobby Mac manifesto. I think anybody who questioned how you look at professional wrestling, you just answered so many questions for these people. But I, one thing will Hulk Hogan rolls. Oh yeah. Hold on, you ready? Where's it at? There it is. You ready? Watch this. We've been hanging and banging, brother. We've been hanging and banging, brother. <laughs> Bobby Mack, uh, closing it I out. The main Wander Hulk Hogan's this entire time. We talked about Paige Van Zant, and you mentioned Hogan twice already, so that's a fell too. Pay attention, man. You don't even have to do anything to prepare for these shows. All you have to show up. You're the Jerry Lawler to my Jim Ross. Listen, I have to put on yellow shoes that nobody sees and this red and blue shirt. I love the fact. I've always got a cardigan. Look, there's a cardigan right there. Oh, God. And I wear the same UT hat seven days a week and a wrestling t-shirt. You know my favorite part about working from home now, though? <laughs> I do, but I don't want to say it out loud. So go ahead and tell everybody else what you think. <laughs> well, my favorite part, well, one is... uh. One is I don't have cancer anymore. That's a pretty big bonus. So that's a huge one. But two is 
if I choose not to, I don't have to leave my house. You know what that means for somebody who is a, a like an actual recluse? Like I dare to dream about it because you know that's where I would ideally like to be, you know, instead of dealing with, you know, children on golf carts and bouncy things. You're a ridiculous person, Bobby. Main event. Uh Isn't Hangman that- Adam Page. CM Punk. CM Punk won the title. Big match. Fantastic story. Both men uh, stole each other's finishers and tried to pull them off. Some succeeded, some didn't, a la Rock Austin at Mania 17. Uh, I think this was the match of the night and came very close second to the Serena Deeb Thunder Rosa match. Um, Putting the title on Punk, I called. I said that this was the culmination of a very understood and underwhelming Hangman Adam Page title reign. Um, overall, I think Punk is the only decision right now. You can't put a belt on Moxley or Brian with them building the Blackpool Comic Club. MJF isn't ready for the belt yet. Uh, so putting it on Punk made sense. You have so many people that he can challenge and work with now as the champion, building stories and rivalries leading to pay-per-views. Uh, overall, I'm good with it. Bobby Mack, what do you think? And go. Yeah, um, definitely best match. I think. I think it's best match of the night. I think it's number one of the night. It might be the best match of the year. Um, Punk has been phenomenal since he's come back. Um, Page, as much as I like the guy, I feel like uh, AEW has just, like, his character has faltered. Three-year build just kind of went flat. Um, whether it was the alcohol thing that he did, him having a kid, COVID, whatever it was, um, going to the dark order, they dropped the ball. And he hasn't been able to recover. His matches with Daniel Bryanson were great, but it didn't get him that next hump. Um, he will be known as the you know champion that held the belt the least in the AEW so far for the world championship. I'm sure somebody else is going to pass him or come up. Um, I think that in a few years from now, I think he will be a good second-time champion. Ric Flair was not a good first-time NWA world champion. Um, and I think that Paige has that potential to be better his second or third reigns. Um, so good match, great match, Southern style with a little WWE in there, stealing people's you know moves and all that kind of stuff. Punk called the match, you could tell from beginning to end. Um, and I really do feel like that this was match of the night, match of the year, um, CM Punk. I'm excited to see where he goes. I think that he's gonna elevate anybody he wrestles whether it be Guevara, whether it be um, uh, what's the the Russian um, Lana's husband, C.J. Perry, Lana. Yeah, what's her uh, the husband? Rusev. Rusev, whatever his name is now. Um, I think. Oh, uh, ele- what's his name? I don't know. That's what I asked you. Um, he can elevate Rusev. He can elevate Guevara. He can elevate Omega. I think him and Omega will have incredible matches. I think wherever Punk goes. Whenever Punk decides to leave and lose that belt, he's going to leave. Miro. His name is fucking Miro. His name is Miro. Miro. Yeah. So wherever, whenever Punk decides to lose that belt, that belt is going to be better off, better than when Jericho held it, better than when Omega held it, and now definitely better than when Paige or Moxley held it. Um, CM Punk is going to be the Bruno to that belt. 
not holding it that long. But again, he's going to be the guy, the standard bearer for that world title. Sir, those are big words. Thank you. You know, my mantra is if you bring his name up, you have to be prepared. I mean, like, we don't take it lightly. We don't just talk about Bruno. Like, that's a big deal around here. So quiz me. You ready? How many days did he hold the title? 3,761. Which totals to about how many years? Uh, the first reign was six years. The second reign was four years. In a 1980s run between him and a protege, the protege historically turned hill against him. Do you know who that was? Larry Zabisco. My who man. I spoke, Bobby. I spoke to him on the phone many times. Larry Zabisco actually snuck under his uh, uh, fence to meet him when he was a teenager. Larry, for years, well, two years, called me and was like, I'm never going to get in the WWE Hall of Fame. He finally did. Never heard from him again. He was trying to sell me a gimmick um, from Glacier because Glacier sold him this whole magazine style thing. It was really weird. Bobby Mack. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. This is the the best part of the show because I'm just going to sit here and let you talk for a second. Plug your shit. Tell everybody where you're at and what you've got going on. Hey, you can find me anywhere and everywhere that nobody wants to actually find me. Um, you can go on Twitch. You can go on Twitter. You can go on um, Facebook, TikTok, all those other places. Just look up Yellow Shoe Guy. If you can't find me under Yellow Shoe Guy, just drop one of the L's out of yellow and you'll find me then. Um my Instagram is up. My LinkedIn is up. Um, my accounting page is up. So find all those things. I'd love to take your money, love to occupy your time, and love to just talk your ear off about professional wrestling. Whether you like me, you don't like me, you're going to learn to love me because I'm the best thing going today. Oof. Hashtag I hate Bobby Mack. <laughs> you ready? I'm going to see if I can do it without messing it up. Now as we close another episode... See, I already fucked it up. (laughs) Now as we close another episode of Botch, Pause, and Chair Shots, I want to take a minute and I want to thank you for listening. I want to remind you to go anywhere you do anything on the internet. Facebook, Instagram, iHeartRadio, Spotify, literally all the options. Like, subscribe, unsubscribe, follow. Do all of it, but remember to do it again. Leave a comment telling us how great we are, how terrible we sound. Either way, it helps our algorithm and it helps find new listeners. If you want to be one of those VIP people and you want to help support, help support the cause, head over to patreon.com at BotchBots and share shots and support the cause. We get some special guests. You get some swag. It's a win-win. As always, I am your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray. Remember... My co-host extraordinaire, hashtag I hate Bobby Mack, the yellow shoe guy. As always, thanks for stopping by and listening, my people. If you're listening, you are. Watch spots and share shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Botch Spots and Share Shots on all platforms to make sure we're here on Botch Spots and Share Shots, one of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. Savage of Central Takeover is Takeover all day. And Bosch Bosch and Sarah Savage. Check. Savage!